Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Oh, g'day everyone, how are you going? Phil Tarrant here, co-host, Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. The Right Property Group, we've known these guys for years now and, um, you know, as we sort of go through this market that we're in right now and normally what happens is that some markets in Australia do really well while others are doing uh, less than well or going backwards. We're in a bit of an environment now where everything seems to be bubbling away. There's a lot of commentary coming out in terms of whether or not this boom will last, whether it's already starting to wane and slow, what's going to keep driving it forward, whether rates are going to change, whether the banks are going to start ratcheting up interest rates themselves. Who knows? My job is to try and curate those conversations with people who do know. Two of them are in the studio with me, my co-hosts of this particular podcast, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar. They're both directors at the Right Property Group. Gents, are you well? Very well, thank yeah. you, mate. How are you? All right. Well, well, you yeah, always, doing well. Yeah, good. You always look just a bit edgy and nervous. No, there. no, not at all. No, no, it, uh, no. Never nervous, never, never edgy. Never it's nervous. more the anticipation of what your well, what I'm going opening to say. is going to be. Well, yeah, it's... um. I was just trying to. I wanted to be a bit kinder today, Stephen. You're losing it because I think the market is being kind to us as property investors. Okay, so the your your personality and is, the, is and directly linked with <laughs> how well property markets in Australia go. That's it. <laughs> so I throw my hands up in the air. That's exactly. That makes me happier when I'm making money. Well, isn't that the idea? <laughs> that's why you do it. That's why you do it, right? It is. Um, it is. Uh, you know, and we speak about it a bit, Steve. You know, do you actually? Is it like the share price where you look at it every day and feel a little bit wealthier, a little bit less wealthier? Yeah, property is probably not the vehicle to be doing that. In, I'm right? glad you can't, no. to be honest with you, because if I could measure it every second, I probably would. That's my, mm. my personality type. Yeah, Thank God is. you can't. It is. And, and for you, Victor, like you guys are on the front line of this market. Is it bedlam? Is it madness? Is it just normal? Is it, you know, give me some sense for it all because – a lot of the commentary, people get swept up into the madness of it all. But last time we spoke about this market on the last podcast, you were like, well, no, I've seen it even run hotter than this in the past. In, in pockets, right? So if you look at where the market is, it's the, perhaps one of the biggest bull runs I've seen in terms of since I've been investing, which is way back 1999 is when I started. And um, you have seen markets like this before. In fact, if you look at it historically, People talk about the roaring 20s when there was a huge rally and uh, also we're starting to see a huge rally right now. But when you look at the metrics of it, whilst the listings are increasing, we're still down from two years ago in terms of 2019 as to the number of listings um, that were there. So definitely a trend upwards in each state in terms of the number of listings in comparison to last year. But we're still way behind overall in the number of listings and equally importantly, the number of people that are looking to jump into the market, low interest rates, more savings, perhaps the recalibration of their outlook of life has certainly put a lot more people in the market to buy property. And so hence, there's a little bit of an imbalance at the moment. There is. And this is the supply and demand equation. And these things always recalibrate and it's either... You don't often get it where it's exactly correct. It's, it's either normally a seller's market or a buyer's market. At the moment, it's a seller's market because there's more buyers than sellers. That equilibrium will change. But I've been thinking sort of over the last month or so, just to give some sense for this market and the dynamics of this market, and we say market, it's a bit of a catch-all for the property market right now and the dynamics of it. To my experience as a property investor, and I'd say this is probably one cycle for me because I started investing in 
sort of 2011, 2012, so coming up to a decade in the game. So I've seen sort of one market. So when I entered the market, it was a similar to this market. It was running on the back of the GFC and it's this sort of bull run and property. Uh, we'll buy them pretty heavy out in the western suburbs of Sydney. So 10 years on, we're sort of seeing some similar dynamics. And I was sort of contemplating how property investors should be approaching buying in this market. And it is competitive. Like it's very, very competitive and therefore positive pressure on prices. So you could potentially pay more than what a property is worth, but a property is only worth what people are going to pay for it. So we won't go there today. But I remember back when we were buying and largely the strategy I was engaging was led by you guys as the buyer's agent for the smart property investment portfolio. And we were trying to find or we we're trying to locate assets which had were either under market value for some reason or that view of market under market value was that we could manufacture equity into it to actually lift its capital price. So rather than just being a passenger and buying well and waiting for just the organic capital growth to happen, we actually got in there and actually manipulated that growth. So I was contemplating whether or not that same strategy or those tactics around that strategy are as relevant today as they were a decade ago. So, you know, what I wanted to focus on today was manufacturing equity in a rising market. Is it a strategy that's relevant today? And how do you go about doing it, Steve? Thoughts? It's, top line? Look, top line is it It depends. It depends on your own bandwidth. Have you got the capital? Have you got the headspace to actually do it? And whether you're a passive investor. Now, I don't mean as in passive income. I mean, the investor type that is just happy to sit back and let the market do its things over many decades and albeit organic. Whereas the invested investor is more about, well, how can I get my hands dirty? I want to be involved with each of the components of my portfolio on an ongoing basis. And one component of that may be renovation. Whether this is the market to do it or not is another question. At the moment, the market is buoyant enough for you to ask yourself the question, well, do I really the market's moving quick enough for me to just sit back is and let it do its- Is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> but like, that's what it is. Like, is it worth doing it? Look, personally, I love it. And mm. for the most, I'll always try and find something that I can not just be relying upon organic growth. I want to manufacture. So, But the manufacture may not be immediately. So mm. it's about controlling the opportunity, whether that be zoning, multiple streams of income, a renovation in the next 12 to 24 months or whatever it may be, I like to have- the options, especially in a market where it's near impossible to buy under market value, like realistically under market value. And I know there are people out there saying, look, I bought this under market value and I bought that under market value. But I'd challenge that because it's worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And I'm happy you brought that up because, you know, to my earlier point when we were a decade ago sort of putting our base portfolio in place with you guys, you know, the idea was to identify, find, negotiate and buy under market value properties. Now, Victor, the point being, whatever you pay for a property is what it's worth and therefore it's not under market value. You see a lot of people out there, buyers, agents and property investors who go direct, who just try and find under market value properties. I don't know if they exist. Hmm. It's what the property is worth to you in your portfolio. That's what hmm. you need to be looking at it as. And um, just echoing Steve in terms of renovations and subdivisions and so forth. A lot of people try and get their hands dirty way too early. And therefore, you need to look at two things, right? The opportunity cost, if you're starting to take a run in terms of renovations or subdivisions straight away once you've bought the property, how long are you out of the market? How much time are you spending on it? And equally importantly, would it be better, as uh, you said, Steve, that if you postponed your renovation, let the market do what it does 
and then give it that boost afterwards to go even further right so you've got then the best of both worlds mm. now obviously you don't want to be holding a property that's going to be having safety issues and all that but a lot of times when people buy properties they displace the tenant and they start doing renovations straight away mm. in a hot market it may be more financially sound to leave the tenant as is wait for the equity to build up in the property and then come back and do the renovation or the subdivision so that it becomes a standalone project within the entire portfolio without unnecessarily impacting on other properties equity so it's more about the timing of the market as well you know and the circumstances to you personally so if we if you're only going into it with limited amount of capital and you need to recycle that capital as an example where well, you might need to give the property some love to accentuate its value and then sort of turn it around and go again or it may be a moment in time where you choose to do the renovation when the market is slower because that way you can amplify that its equity position mm. while you've got time on your side because trying to do a renovation now you're going to be up against every other person and every other tradesman in the midst of a building boom and yeah. paying a premium and paying a premium for it so it's more about controlling the opportunity in my mind unless it's extreme left where yeah. it is pure value and you need to do the work now but also on the narrative around under market value maybe a better way to to explain the term is accentuating the value in that property that's mm. where the upside is as opposed to being under market value because it is worth what someone's willing to pay yeah. on that day so the gold is identifying where the opportunity is and hopefully other people can't see it. And that's a really important point, and, and let's sort of unpack that. So you guys are talking about controlling an asset that has upside potential and timing when you actually realise that, and timing's got to be based on a myriad factors, right? But mm. what we're talking about is essentially the arbitrage on your money to actually get a positive uplift in as capital value. So really simple numbers. If you bought a house for $100,000 and you spent – $10,000 on a renovation, you'd hopefully that you'd be lifting it up to not $110,000 in valuation, you're talking $140,000 in valuation in very, very simple numbers. So it's about the utility of the money you spent on the renovation to get a multiple uplift in a capital value. But timing that is absolutely critical. And often, imagine a lot of properties just don't have that innate ability to deliver that type of thing. It's a good point. But also not even just from a capital point of view, but what about from a cash flow mm. point of view as well? And I think understanding what the renovation's result is, what it means to you, what you want from it will also direct you on the type of renovation and maybe even the type of property that you choose to begin with. Yeah, Where people go wrong is that they'll do a renovation and just Netly think that it'll increase value and cash flow, and it's just not the case. So you really want to be doing those numbers backwards yeah. to see what your return on investment is. In other words, that extra capital that you're going to be utilising to do the renovation. Yeah, so, so you need to look at renovating to the market rather than renovating from your heart, right? Mm. This is where most people get caught up is they see themselves living in there or they want to put their flair on that renovation and um, therefore end up overspending or perhaps doing the wrong type of renovation for the result thereafter. Because if you're doing a renovation to increase the capital, it may be a bit different to a renovation to increase the rent or getting a better quality tenant in that sense. So the renovation type that I carry out in Kirribilli mm. is going to be different from that in Hobart. Absolutely. So you need to be outcome orientated and that Correct. needs to be determining and dictating your decision making. And the two well, I guess there's three outcomes, Vic, that you can aspire towards. One is a capital value uplift. The other one is an uplift in 
the yield, so the rentability of the product and therefore cash flow, or the third outcome would be you get both of them. Mm-hmm. So when you're considering a property with view to helping it realise its full potential from a capital value yield point of view, where do you start? And we talk about working backwards from there. How do you make the determination of whether or not it's a good idea? Well, first of all, you've got to determine whether that is the type of property you need to buy to fit into your portfolio, right? Mm. Just because you know we're talking about renovation doesn't mean that we all rush out to buy a renovation potential type property. If you're just starting your journey, maybe you need to buy something a little bit more sedate, something that you know set and forget in a good fundamental area where there is good growth projection and there is consistency of tenancy and there's the liquidity in the market. In other words, if your appetite changes or if your circumstances change, you can offload the property without losing money. Maybe your skill set as well. If you're a chippy or a carpenter or a builder, that you know, play to your strengths. Yeah. So you get arbitrage on your time then, right? Technically, yeah. depending on how much you value your time. True. But you know, if it's you, mm. well, actually, I was going to say you wouldn't take on a renovation, but it my mind goes back to the- oh, Mr. Renovator. Mr. Renovator, Cambridge <laughs> Park. Is that still up on the website? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, and yeah. so people should go back and maybe watch that. Yeah, where, that was good fun. So it's Cambridge Park. It was a an auction house that was uninhabitable, according yeah. to the valuer. Well, when we bought it, we thought we could probably move someone into it, but I think the bank thought otherwise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that was a- Once that, we swept the syringes out, we're okay. Oh, no, there was no- there was, That it wasn't, wasn't that bad. No. You could have you could have lived in, I've, I've lived in worse places. With a clean- <laughs> With a good could, clean. Yeah, yeah, you could have. Yeah. There was no syringes. No. It's not that type of area. No. But it was a full renovation. So that was- purely manufacturing cash flow. We bought that and for equity. the purpose of- Doing that. The manufacturing of equity by a cost-effective renovation. Yeah. And so maybe the listeners can go back and watch that. So yeah. that was a full strip out, mm. two kitchens, two bathrooms, yeah. turf, fencing, Roof. roofing, the whole lot. Mm. Cutters. Uh, yeah. And it's instantly changed clearly the curb appeal of the property, rented immediately. Its uplift and value was immediate as well. Yeah. That was a great example of the sole purpose of this investment is to create equity slash capital and cash flow, and there it was. Yeah, so let, let's unpack that a little bit more. Mm. We were able to buy that property because you're in a position to buy that, right? So you're not a first-time investor, and you had the capital position to counteract the bank's reluctance to lend you the full money, and therefore you had to put in a higher deposit into that property That's right. to grab that opportunity. But it was worth what it was at that time. We amplified the value of that by doing the full renovation. Well, it was worth what four people at the auction were willing to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, well, we bought it just before Christmas, I think. And um, So that was good timing. Yeah, someone kept pushing up by a thousand bucks. Remember me and you looking at each other and go, go away. It was, yeah. yeah. 236 grand, I think we paid by memory. For yep, it. today worth, it'd have to be nearly 800,000. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was a fair bit of work to do. Like you, you know, you had to look for the beauty in this particular asset. And there, there's a mindset thing, mm-hmm. right, as well for good renovators, Victor. You got to actually be able to visualize the outcome and yeah. work backwards from that. And a lot of people can't see it. Look, you need to be able to look at the end product, mm. right, in your mind and be able to map out the process without getting caught up in, you know, how am I going to do this? So if I, if I come back to one of my properties that I missed out on in my very early journey, an agent had taken me to a three-bedroom villa and if you touch the wall, your hand came away with the cigarette tar mm. and this carpet was putrid. So it was the old plush pile carpet. With, you can imagine the cigarette smoking yeah, 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 yeah. 
and it was going for song back then it was $70,000 right now i'm talking your early 2000s mm. actually 2000 itself and the agent said no you know what just buy it i'll arrange the painter you just need $3000 to replace the carpet this will be fine the whole night i agonized over how am i going to change the carpet how am i going to paint the wall as if i'm doing the work right mm. no no uh, the expertise can be outsourced that's one of the things i learned suffice to say that there was someone else who came in with a more assertive offer and immediate purchase so i lost that opportunity but i didn't lose the lesson in terms of you don't agonize over them nitty gritty because you can outsource that some people to be fair though it's just not within not not their psyche it, it's just not they just don't have the bandwidth nor no. do they want it no. and i get that and we're not saying that every property should have upside in terms of renovation mm. it's just for those that can, well, potentially you should if the market allows you to do so. So coming back to one of the earlier points, today you could probably sell a house that's in a in poor condition that needs a renovation for almost as much as something that is yeah. in good condition because it is the flavour of the month. And in fact, I saw a media article the other day, not one of yours, that oh, was, so it was good then, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was probably factual. Probably factual. <laughs> that first homeowners now are starting to look for the renovators yeah. because that's where their their affordability sort of metric is. Mm. But it's a false illusion. It's, it's not that it's there. The challenge that the first homeowners have is that they've got limited, generally speaking, limited capital to utilise to begin with. So they're operating with small amounts of savings potentially. The homeowner grants higher LVRs, it doesn't leave much to do the renovation with. Yeah. And so it's really, I believe, the investors that are looking for that. And it's a good point, you know, and and what you're talking to there is probably the difference between a cosmetic and a a structural renovation, two very different things. Let's touch on that a little bit later on in the the chat. But you're talking about, you know, for first home buyers who are looking for something they can make their mark on, like what they do have, a lot of first home buyers, if they haven't got kids and stuff yet, is – time and sweat equity, right? Mm. And when you look at doing a cosmetic renovation, by and large, most people should be able to work out a big part of a cosmetic reno, i.e. preparing your walls for painting, painting the walls, base level tiling, you know, you can do most stuff unless it's like skilled trades like plumbing or electrical, right? You've got to outsource I that. I think if, the- if you're not a, a licensed tradesman anyway and you know, things like plumbing, electrical, you shouldn't be no, touching it to begin it. with. And even if it's not for your own safety, it's for the tenants who are going mm. to move in if you do it incorrectly. But you mentioned the word or well, the phrase sweat equity of which- Which I nicked off you, by the way. Yeah, I'm just making sure you, yeah, you know yeah, that. Like, I acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, not a very good term, but I'll uh, use it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> nice. Trademark. Yeah, trademark. Um, but I'm a massive fan of it if mm. you have the capacity to do so. Yeah. But how far you take it starts at the beginning. So if it's anything more than a haircut and a shave, yeah. so you know, paints and some fixtures and fittings and carpets, then you need to cost it differently and you need to understand how much time that's going to involve and therefore the amplification of costs as well. Yeah. That's where you start to go into additions and bathrooms and kitchens and structural issues. Yeah, it can get it can get expensive quickly. And the Very more quickly. the more you renovate, the more problems you also uncover. Whatever is- the budget is, as you start taking things out of a house, you will uncover problems. problems. So whatever your budget is, add thirty percent. Yeah. Straight away. Yeah, and this goes back to planning to do this. So number one, do you acquire an asset for this purpose? And we sort of spoke about that. And number two, how do you work out why you're doing what the end result is? And I know, let's use this Cambridge Park asset that we work on together, Steve. 
we knew inherently the sort of um, median price for properties in that suburb. This property was under the median, right? So that's an indicator. But by memory, we actually, we secured the property, but then we actually had both a sales agent and also a property manager come through and say, hey, here is some properties which are in the same suburb, which are renting for X and selling for X. Now, if you do this work, this is where you can elevate this property to. So that was pretty much gave us a mark to work towards. It was. And we did that before we yeah. purchased, clearly to get our, our benchmarks. But we also knew the area well enough to know that we were buying something that was at land value. And in fact, That's I think it was point. below land value. Mm. We knew that cosmetically it was going to be extremely offensive to the, I'll call it the unsophisticated investor, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah because it was out of their skill set and the capacities. But having had the experience, we knew that it was just cosmetic for the most. Yeah. And it was just didn't present well. So we knew what the end result would be down to the, if we did X color, X kitchen, X tiles. I mean, that's how granular we got. Yeah. We knew what the rent would be. And so we could just reverse engineer to what Back we were willing there. to pay and for that, it. that way you didn't get strayed by, you know, getting caught up in the emotion of renovating and all that, right? And the other thing that we would want to bring up is that in markets like this, you start seeing more and more handyman special, renovators special, renovators delight. And like Steve said earlier, this is where you need to look at what the value of the property is as is and what it can be amplified for. Because a lot of times you also got to add in the time factor to say, okay, if you do the renovation, it's taking you three months, as an example, right? Just making that example up. It's taking you three months. That's three months of no rent coming in. So you need to add that into your renovation cost as well. Mm. Steve, if you recall, in the last cycle, we knew of a couple that were doing a renovation and it took 11 months to do a simple cosmetic renovation and a relationship breakdown and, and everything. Yep. Yeah. So things can when, when renos go wrong, mm. right? There, there's a TV show. Right, there's a reality and, series. And, and you know what? It's not like... Some, it's like most Renaults are wrong. It's, and you know what? And that's, it's actually a really good point. One of the things that we've always talked about for people that want to carry on a renovation mm. is define your roles very early and what you're responsible yeah. for. Otherwise, you will end up divorced or separated. Well, it can put a lot of financial stress on. Well, it on, does. And particularly mm. if you. You know, if you buy at the top of your serviceability threshold and then you get stuck with, you know, and if you don't have the sophistication, you know, you more than me, but I like to think I'm reasonably attuned to it. If I you, get you a lay, plumber- You I lay can, very good turf. I can, I can lay turf. <laughs> I can I can do most things, but if I actually have to get a, a licensed trade person in, if I go to a guy, look, I need to upgrade a switchboard and this needs fixing, this needs, and he comes back with a quote of 10 grand, I go, no, it's not, mate. It's about two grand. Yeah. You know, but for a lot of people who don't, they go, oh, well, $10,000, no worries. It's a very, mm-hmm. very good point. And so that there's a mountain of information on the web now and you know, other people that you may know or mm. get introduced to that will steer you in the right directions of costings because if you don't know what it is, you shouldn't be doing it. Your budgets will blow. But I do want to come back to the point which – clearly is the topic and around sweat equity and should we reno and, and what have you. Maybe today's market is more about controlling the opportunity mm-hmm. as opposed to actually having to do it immediately. So you might wait till the next cycle to realise that opportunity potentially. Correct. Or it might be in six months' time yeah. when you have the bandwidth mm-hmm. or when there's a more tradies available or whatever it may be. Or it just might be once as simple as controlling the opportunity for several years. So yeah. whether it's Because when we talk about renovation, it's not paint and carpet as such, it could be 
a zoning play, a subdivision, yeah. a granny flat, a secondary story. It all falls under the same banner. So identifying where you need to be, what your skill set is or who your teams are, then look for it. And then, Victor, that sort of equity potential is also transactional. So you might not realise it yourself. You might control the asset for a period of time and then sell it to someone else mm-hmm. and then they realise that you, potential. You can do that, right? It comes back to a portfolio planning and this is part of what Steve and I do is um, we sit down with our clients and, and we do a review very regularly mm. so that we can map that out to say, okay, the plan was to subdivide this, but maybe there's less hassle and more money by simply offloading it now. Talk to your accountant, work out the capital gains position and see what we can do with the money that we free up. Can we repeat the exercise somewhere else in a different area? Yeah. Or is it we're jumping out of this market, we're capitalizing on our wins, and we might jump back into the market when it's a lot softer and find something that's opportunistic again. Okay. Yeah. Purpose fit. Yeah. So we've covered quite a lot of complex and complicated scenarios and issues here, Steve. So let's just crystallize into five points for our listeners and people like this sort of stuff. I guess, and I want to get into some other points connected with this, but just from a a tactical point of view, manufacturing equity in a rising market, point number one, be outcome focused. What's the end result would probably be the way you need to start, correct? Mm -hmm. Number two, get in local experts to help you understand what the equity position and the rental position can be should you undertake a bit of work. Number three, I would say using the right tradespeople. How do you know you've got the right people you can trust to help you out this stuff? That's a question? Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought it was more of a statement. It was no, point number no. three. Look, I leverage. Yep. Leverage. There's some really good websites out there where you know, it'll rate the tradesman, but the best point of contact is usually the localised agents and property managers. Yeah. But the one tip I would always say is whoever, whatever the tradesman you use is make sure that they're fully licensed and fully insured. Okay. Let's go to the three. Point number four, Vic. To get this right, what would it be? Well, like you said, having the um, experts, local experts, but you also need to be looking at it from an impact point from your portfolio. Mm-hmm. So not just getting caught up with the renovation bug that everyone tends to do in a market cycle like this and looking at the end outcome before you buy the property. And point number five, we should really have a finance point on this. You factor in the holding, full holding costs. Correct as part of anything, you just don't. don't uh... So if you're doing the renovation yourself, yeah. you need to put a dollar figure to your time. Mm. Because sometimes you know people say, I'll do this in the weekends, and it takes them six months to do a simple renovation that if you paid a tradesperson, it was done in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and there is a time factor, a convenience factor, and also an opportunity factor when you do something like that. And well, connected with that, and um, and a lot of people don't consider this, is that this concept of overcapitalizing, Steve. And overcapitalizing could be you spent too much on a reno and you don't get the money back, but overcapitalizing also on time mm-hmm. and time being a, a key driver to the holding costs of you've got to hold a property for six months and you're paying a couple of thousand bucks say, um, a month in mortgage payments. That adds quite adds a lot to your budget. So, mm-hmm. so let's talk about overcapitalizing, Steve. Can you just – Crystallise that concept for our listeners if they're not familiar with it. So overcapitalisation is just spending more than it's worth Mm. as a net result. A lot of people get carried away in the type of renovation and the gross figure is in excess. So purchase price plus expenditure for the renovation is in excess of what it's actually worth, overcapitalisation. Now, there are probably times when, dare I say it, it's okay to do. Might be safety aspects. It might be 
immediate things that you do now that gives you a medium term better cost to operate. So that could be wiring or plumbing. So you just foot the expense now so that it gives you longevity or sustainability with the mm-hmm. asset. And one other thing that came into my head is if you do go to a renovation, don't, or if you want to do one, don't be cheap and nasty because that is a very, very short-term win. Yeah, I remember some of the stuff looking back. You, you can be cost-effective in a renovation, but there's certain areas where you shouldn't scrimp. And I remember you sort of always saying, Phil, don't buy the cheapest taps because you're going to have to have someone in there in a year's time putting new taps in there, which means they're probably going to, depending how bad it is and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, where do you need to spend money and when can you actually go the cheaper route? Well, <laughs> and because you do like to save a dollar. Look, the tap handles are one of my favourites because you go out and you'll buy the hardware, cheap plastic ones and they'll last 12 months Mm -hmm. and you'll end up paying a plumber's call-out fee, time and new parts and materials. It's just a false economy. Same thing with any components that are used multiple times a day, door handles, window coverings, things like that, ovens, stoves, anything that's used multiple times a day, you want the longevity. If you're going to all this hard work now, you want it to last, not for 12 months, unless you're going to flip the house or something like that, then it's someone Mm. else's problem, but that's a whole different podcast. Go into it with your eyes wide open, set a realistic budget and make sure you're doing it for the long term, not for the quick win. Uh, Because that's where investors go wrong, is they're looking for the immediate effect by trying to save a dollar now and it just doesn't work. And that potentially could be this overcapitalizing equation. And you can overcapitalize. You might not necessarily overcapitalize on the renovation itself, but the length of renovation could put it into a a position where you have overcapitalized in terms of your all-in cost, right? But you're talking about it's okay to overcapitalize if you have a strategy around the purpose of overcapitalizing. So you're doing a renovation, you might overcapitalization is normally fixed by time. So the longer you hold the property, the less you might realize well, or realize that yeah that, that overcapitalization so if you're going to hold a property for 20 years you spend a few bucks more at the front end because you're going to minimize your repairs and maintenance down the back end that's probably smart business i'll give you an example from my portfolio one of my properties in sydney where i spent i think it was $65,000 on this particular property that you struggle to see well where where is the $65,000 mm. but it's a development site and all that $65,000 is in the ground. It's all the services and the, the drainage and civil works ready for the next 10 years. Yeah. So, and because while I had all the machinery there and all the assets there, I got it done so that I didn't have to do it in the years to come and start from scratch again. It's a sunk, yeah. literally, sunk capital cost. Pay it forward. Yeah, but it'll pay dividends in the long run. So you knew the end outcome of that property and therefore that's why you did it. Yeah. Yeah. And no doubt if you were to offload that property, that would be equity in the fact that you've done that work for someone who actually buys it for a purpose. It's a good point. But if I wanted to refinance it and I met the valuer on site and said, oh, look, I've got all these pipes in the ground, he'd look at me or she'd look at me as like, I don't care. Yeah. And I'm happy you spoke about valuer, Steve. Um, This I've just scribbled it down and said the valuation timing gap Vic. So mm-hmm. in a rising market, we're in a rising market right now, and you look at valuations, there's a whole bunch of things already around valuations, particularly when it comes to mortgages where people are purchasing properties for X and the banks are coming in saying, no, it's not actually worth that much. So there's mm-hmm. a, a timing gap between- it's a disconnect. Disconnect between what you pay and what the bank deems the value of that property right now. The same thing happens when you undertake a renovation. So mm-hmm. if you buy a property and six months later, put it back to the bank and say, hey, I want to get this property revalued, 
it's probably worth $150,000 more. A lot of time they're going to go, no, it's not. It can't go up that fast yeah. in six months. I think the more important point there is your finance needs to be fit for purpose, mm. right? So if you're planning to go back and revalue your property much sooner than the six months, you want to extract your equity back, back out again. The first thing you need to check is whether your financier will actually allow you to do that. Because there are a lot of finances there that might not entertain you coming back within six months or 12 months to stamp up your your mortgage. Or you'd keep it variable at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of people go fixed and then go, oh, I've got to pay fixed uh, mm. yeah. fixed cost breaks. It's a lot, uh, Often you need to go to another lender. Well, even if for, you don't, do that. the bank has got you. They don't have to work very hard to keep your business. In yeah. fact, you have to pay it to, to go elsewhere. I break costs. Yeah. And we've seen it in the past where Bank A will come in on a Monday and we will not be happy with the valuation. And I'm, in my mind is one of your properties, Phil. Mm. And then on Wednesday, there was circa, I think it was 20% difference. Yeah. Because it's up to the individual. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So they say, and valuers are no different. On the valuation thing and coming back around finance, the finance is actually just as important as Vic said in the beginning when you're taking on a renovation project yeah. so mm. that you actually know what flexibility you have, product, rate. Well, how do you fund the reno is probably where you start, yeah. right? Do you have cash for it? Yeah, or don't do be you, caught out yeah. with the half renovation because it'll be people like us. That like, do you get a line of credit at the point yeah. of, um, of, of buying and then with a purpose to refinance the whole lot? Yeah. So, so if, if you look at it from a holistic point of view, right, it starts from obviously the plan and how does it fit into the portfolio. That's where, yeah, you know, you come and sit down with either myself or Steve and we plan as to what's the best fit for the portfolio mm. or if it's a startup portfolio. Then we need to look at what's your finance capability, not what the bank's willing to lend. What's your red line in terms of cash flow? Yeah. Right? Is this the right property to buy then? Yeah. Sometimes the strategy is dictated by the finance and sometimes the strategy will be the finance mm-hmm. outcome. Yeah. yeah. And then you need to look at the capital position as well. How much capital have you got? You know, all good to buy a renovator. If you haven't got then the money to unfold it, now, it's sitting there costing you money and you're not able to do anything about it. So you look at capital, cash flow, you're looking at the plan within the portfolio of what you're trying to do. Are we postponing the renovation? Are we postponing the subdivision? Or are we actually bringing it forward because we want to manufacture our capital position, amplify our capital position so that we can go a bit harder yeah. in terms of further purchases or counteract our lack of equity within the portfolio? Then you pull the trigger to do the renovation. There's a lot to consider and um, and it doesn't end once you've done the renovation, Steve, in terms of, you know, this getting a property revalued for the purpose, Vicar, mm-hmm. extracting the equity to use it for some other purpose or maybe yeah. just want to go on holiday. You know, when I think of that property we're talking about in Cambridge Park, we actually, by memory, got it staged for we the did. purpose of the, of valuation. the valuation and also for rentability. There was a reason for that, though, because mm. it was in such a short period of time. We're only yeah. talking months. Yeah, and three, three, four months maybe. Yeah. yeah, and while the valuer has all the tools and they can go on and they can see that the property looked like that and now physically it looks like this and there's clearly a remarkable difference, we're wanting to give ourselves every chance to get the best result. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should stage their property. In fact, we did the same in the two-bedroom unit as well. That's right. Uh, yep. But the valuations is such an important component, especially when you're doing it in a smaller amount of time. time. So one of the things that we advocate is that you create a pack, just like we did with those That's particular right. properties. And what the pack consists of is firstly what you think the property is worth, but don't be you know, too ambitious because you'll just make a fool of yourself and tick the wrong people off. Yeah. 
and you want that supported. So value supported by localized agents, market appraisals on their letterheads because they're deemed the professionals in that localized area. If you've done a renovation, you want the before and after pictures with potentially a cost to the scope that you've carried out. Mm. You clearly want the data that supports it as well. And then you want to make sure that you or your representation meet the value on site. In fact, probably not yourself, but your representation. So whether it be your property manager or uh, you know, whomever, gives the valuer the pack to shortcut, not their process, but help them with their work. Now, does it work every time? No. Mm. Sometimes the value will throw it on the backseat of the car and continue on. And sometimes they actually appreciate what you've done. As long as you're not trying to be too ambitious and saying that your property's worth 1.4 million and really it's 700,000. Yeah. Because that'll work against you. But you're supplying all the evidence to help support the valuation. Very, very important. It is. And, and going back to the sort of key point, Victor, uh, manufacturing equity in a rising market. So is this a very common strategy in this market you're seeing right now or the opportunities for doing this are few and far between? A bit of both, mm. right? So a lot of people do jump onto the bandwagon and get into the renovation style of investing, more so towards the tail end of the run. Okay. Right? Because they're looking at how big and fast the market is, how fast it's moving, and they try and jump in and say, you know what, I'm going to push it even further. Mm. Right? Or they, you know, you're starting, in which we are starting to see a lot of articles on renovations, a lot of articles on, you know, how I made, you know, 100,000 in this property in two months. It brings out those people that aren't coming in with a planned approach. Brings out the speculator. Yeah. yeah. So it does happen. Do we do renovations? We do renovations in any market. There are different types of renovations and different types of properties we buy yeah. in different markets. Mm. In fact, if you go back to one of our, let's call it a year ago podcasts, when COVID first hit, and I think you might have asked the question, so what's the, you know, generally speaking, what's the, where do you see that sweet spot in the market? Mm. And back then we said, find the most cosmetically challenged property that you can. Mm because it's the least desirable in a market of flux. Now, I'm not so sure. And I think also, coming back to Vic's point where you know, some people say, look, I made $100,000 in you know, six months. I'm going to say 80% of the time, that's just the market. Whether you picked up a hammer or a paintbrush or not, it would have achieved it. as a net result the same thing by doing nothing. Yeah. So don't get, don't get caught in the moment and the smoke and mirrors scenario control yeah. the opportunity just just don't do a renovate because you want someone to do right like if the market is going to do the majority of the heavy lifting for you do nothing the area and the asset will always and the time will always do the majority of the heavy lifting mm. it's one where, of the things um, where can of, you accentuate the growth yeah one of the things that we keep saying is that perhaps the best renovation is the one that you don't right because if you postpone the renovation you may have a better result yeah yeah and, and a lot of people do get caught up in you know, I'm going to spend this money because, uh, you know, I'm going to get a tax break and all that. Speak to your accountant first. You know, often if you're doing, doing the renovation upfront, mm. it may not actually be classified as repairs. <coughs> yeah. It may be capital cost. Well, and you remember also the tax laws changed yes. um, back in- oh, 17. Okay, okay, I was going to say, I'd ask Brad B because he'd probably know uh, from BMT. <laughs> yeah, cost because you, Brad. you used to be able to do all scrapping, yep. right? Like mm. you could, like, you throw out a 20-year-old uh, oven mm. and, and you go, oh, yeah, well, it depreciates. You can't do that no more. No. No, no. and I think, look, fairly, yeah, quite fairly as well. Yeah. Like you can't triple dip no. along the way because someone's got to pay for it. Someone's got to pay at some point in time. Absolutely. But anyway, it's probably for a different time. we we'll get Brad on. He can have a chat around uh, how it all works these days. But um, that's good, Victor, Steve. Thank you very much. Um 
Any more questions around this? People are going, oh, okay, I'm just even more confused now. Uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys to have a chat about this? Look, you can reach out to us on our socials, uh, on our Facebook page, or go onto our website and um, there's an inquiry button. If you plug in your details, Melissa from our office will uh, give you a call and uh, walk you through the process and you get to sit down with Steve or myself when you're ready. And how hard is it to actually get time with you guys at the moment? I imagine your calendars are pretty full. Steve? It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think how to answer yeah. that. Look, yeah. But there's always, yeah, we do our best. You make time. Yeah, yeah we, we do our best sometimes. Yeah. Always it'll be around us. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, um, Investing Insights, I do enjoy it. It's, it's my monthly highlight, talking property, Steve. I think we've done pretty well out of that. It's, it's just something, you know, in the background, just musing around, do I renovate some of the stuff in our portfolio or those next assets that I buy? You know, could I even be bothered finding renovation type stuff? So I just buy well and let the market do most of the heavy lifting with me. So well, that's another it's podcast. courses for courses, but we'll get into that uh, at some point in time. Uh, remember, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Uh, you can just go to rightpropertygroup.com.au. How's your, um, uh, your lives going? I see you guys there every second Tuesday by memory now, isn't it? Yeah, an average yeah. second Thursday. So second we've got Thursday. one coming up. This Thursday. This yeah. Thursday. And that's on Facebook, Facebook right? Goes. Yeah, it's so, Facebook. So you should join into those. It's, you know, we just talk about whatever's trending at the moment mm. or whatever comes to our head, really. We wing it a little yeah. bit, but it's good interaction as well because people get to ask a lot of the questions that perhaps, you know, every other day they'd email in and we may not get back yeah. to them immediately. But it's good. Everybody learns. And that's yeah. the main thing. That's the idea. And uh, the best investors I know, Steve, are those who are always learning and challenging their ideas. I hope you enjoy that, everyone. That's Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. Uh, we'll see you again next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.